every human being labors for, or at least fights to keep, and that's security. Who here hates security? No one. I've never heard a person complaining about having too much security. Man, I wish I didn't have all this job security. Come on. No. If anything, many of us feel that we have too little security, or at least our security is in the wrong place. I heard a song last night that says, gravity is working against me. Gravity wants to keep me down. When your security is anchored in the wrong place, it works against you. It brings you down. So this morning I ask you, where is your security? In particular, when it, where is your security when it comes to prayer? When it comes to whether or not the Lord hears you, where is your security? What guarantees you that he hears your prayer? The prayers that Richard just prayed, did God hear those prayers? Well, let's find out where our security lies. If you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 7. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples and to us. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father God, as we come every Sunday, Lord, we come before your truth. This is not man's opinion. This is not written by man, but Lord, it's written by you. It is your truth, your very word. It is not the word of the village church or Alex's word, but it's your scriptures that you have written for your people. And so, Lord, we pray that, that your spirit, your spirit, that he has to take this truth and apply it to our lives. Lord, supernaturally, Lord, we ask for him to do this. That you will speak to whatever we are dealing with this morning. Whatever situation that is going on in our life. We pray that the Spirit will speak truth into that. That when we leave here, we'll leave here seeing you greater. Loving you more. Seeing more of you. In Christ name I pray. Amen. Where is your security? That the Lord hears your prayers. Jesus answers this question for us. And he begins by calling out a false form of security. Verse 7. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Gentiles here is referring to those individuals who worship and serve false gods, pagans. Their prayers to false gods are empty phrases, senseless babble. Their security that their prayers are heard, rest totally in them. Am I praying the right way? Is this the right format? Do I need to say it this way in order to get this God's attention? It's up to them or whether or not the God hears them. It's up to them to say the right words, to have the right techniques, to get it right. 
as one Christian says, the pagan uses many words because he's bewildered. Have I found the right God? This pagan is anxious. Does this God know my needs? The pagan is also devious. He says, how long would it take me to wear this God down? I mean, do I have to be here all night saying the same phrases for this God to hear me? Remember what happened on Mount Carmel with Baal and his prophets. Are you familiar with what happened in 1 Kings 18? What happened? Baal's prophets cried. All day long they cried for Baal to come down to light the flame. They pleaded. They whined. And they did all they could do. They shouted. They danced. They cut themselves. But did he ever come? Did he ever respond? No. He didn't. You know why Gentiles offer up these mindless phrases, these empty words? Because the object of their prayers was nothing more than an impersonal, non-engaging wooden idol. That's why. It was falling on dead ears. And Jesus says to us, do not be like that when you pray. Why? For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Do you believe that? What you're dealing with right now, God knows what you need, even before you bend your knee to ask him. Or do you, or do you function like the bell prophets? Well, I got to dance. I got to shout. I got to cut myself to get God's attention. Which is it? How do you approach the Father? We don't approach him in prayer like this. He's not a wooden idol made by human hands. We're not, we don't approach him like the bell prophets to, to use a form or a technique to get his attention. Our security that our prayers are heard rests totally in who he is. Not in your format. Not in the length of your prayer. Not whether or not you're on your knees or you close your eyes. Not in any of those things. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying it does guarantee that God hears your prayer. What guarantees that he hears your prayer is who he is. That's where our security lies. The Father knows what you need even before you ask him. Daughters have a way of wrapping their father around their hands. And yes, Madison had me the first time I saw her. And, you know, when they're babies and little girls, it's cute. But when they get older, they try to manipulate their dad. Oh, Daddy, can I go there, please? You know I love you, Daddy. I'm, I'll be back in time. You see, prayer is not us trying to wrap God around our finger. Well, let me bend my knee. Maybe I can trick God into giving me what I want. Is that your view of prayer? If I just pray this long enough, if I pray it long enough, one day I'm going to wake up and this nice car is going to be out in the front yard because I've wrestled with God in prayer and I know it's coming. It's coming. I've got to wrap them around my finger. Let me do this. Let me say it this way. Let me do the prayer dribbles. I can sit there all day long. Enlarge my territory, God. What is that? Is you trying to trick the Father? It's a mechanical approach to prayer. Def prayer is this. It's humility before the Father. It's dependency upon the Father. It's not about you. 
Because you got to realize, he knows what you need before you ask him. And so when you bend your knee in prayer, it's you humbling yourself before your father, acknowledging the fact, Lord, I know you know what I need. So you know what? I'm asking you to help me to depend upon you. Help me to rest and know that whatever I need in your timing, you're going to provide it. I'm not here to trick you. I'm not here to control you. I'm here for your spirit to draw me deeper into dependency upon you. That's prayer. That's prayer. It's rest totally in who he is. And when you believe that, and when you live that way, it changes your whole prayer life. To be like what Jesus says here, beginning in verse 9. And when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. In light of knowing that your father knows what you need before you ask him, Jesus wants us to pray like that. And this prayer does two things. First, it is God-exalting and God-honoring. It is God-centered. It begins with him. Him. Not your need, but it begins with him. Secondly, it deals with what you need or what you think you need. But it always starts with the Father, who is in heaven. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's where our security lies, isn't who God is. And Jesus, as we saw last week, Jesus talked a lot about the Father. You remember the sermon from last week? Do this for this reason, and your Father in heaven will reward you. Again, he's picking up on this theme of Father. That our God is not Allah. That's not our God. Jesus uses Father to talk about God to us. He's just not some deity in heaven who's not personally involved with his people. He's Father. Many Christians have what I call daddy issues when it comes to the earthly dads. And what many of us do, I'm guilty of this too, is that we transfer our daddy issues onto our Heavenly Father when you become a believer. We all do it. If your daddy was hard to please, you felt like you can never please him. When you become a Christian, guess what? You're going you're gonna to thank God that way too. I can never do enough. If your father was a hard man or always critical of you, then guess what? When you become a Christian, you're going to thank God that way too. If your daddy was a pushover, gave you everything you want, when you become a Christian, well, you're going to expect God to do the same thing too. Well, I'm his child. He owes this to me. Give me what I want. We all transfer or redirect our good and bad emotions from our earthly father to our heavenly father. We all do it. The question is, do you see it? Because we all are guilty of it. And if your dad was never there, or if you grew up without a dad, or felt abandoned by your dad, you're going to struggle with wondering if God is ever there. Does he even hear me? We all do it. But do you see it? His spirit in my own life, has reshaped my opinion and attitude toward this concept of God as Father. He has changed that over time, and he does that to all of us. Having a good understanding of what the Bible means by calling God our Father is very important as a believer. Very important. He's personally engaged in our life. He cares, he sees, he comforts, he disciplines, he heals. There's intimacy between the father and his child. 
according to one Christian. I love this. He says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child, having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers, his whole outlook on life, it means that person does not understand Christianity very well at all. Let those words sink in there. If you don't understand who God is as Father, you're not going to understand Christianity very well at all. You ain't going to understand anything about it. The gospel, grace, forgiveness, all those things are gifts from the Father. And if you don't understand Him, you ain't going to understand this. Theology, you know what theology means? It's study of God. And what Jesus is telling us here, he's Father. And you've got to understand the fatherhood of God. It will radically change the way you view your life. Christianity. It all goes back here. Everything goes back to that. Have your heart fully embrace that. God is Father. Because when you pray, you're praying to your Father in whom you have a personal relationship with. But at the same time, this Father, this God that you're in a relationship with, he's also holy. He's also infinite. He also transcends us. He is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. This means he is unlike us. He's personal. He's relational. He's engaging. But he's not weak. He's not inadequate. He's not inefficient. He's great. He's awesome. He is not limited like us. All human beings are limited. Limited knowledge, limited space, limited power, limited abilities. Even those who don't think they have no limits are delusional. Because we're finite beings. Sinful, finite beings. But God is not. He is infinite. He is infinite. In him is no darkness. He is not bound by the limits we're bound by. He exists outside of our world and time, and he controls all of them. He transcends everything. He is above all. He's made all. He's the source of all. And think about that. You and I are codependent beings. Well, what do you mean by that, Alex? It means we depend upon other things to exist. If you didn't drink water or eat food, you die. You die. You need transportation to get from point A to point B. God is not dependent upon things like that. If he was dependent upon anything for his existence, guess what? He's not much of a God at all. Is he? No. He's not codependent. We are. Paul says in Romans 11:32, Oh, the depths of riches and the wisdom and knowledge of our God, how unsearchable are his judgments, how impossible it is for us to understand his ways. You and I are in a relationship with a God who is not like us in so many ways, but yet he personally engages us. We're in a, it's not a relationship between equals. You've got to know that. It's not a relationship between equals. And when you come to him in prayer, you realize my God is Father, he's personal, he's intimate, but at the same time, he's finite, majestic, and transcendent, too. You see, when Madison gets upset with me, which is quite often, 
One of her favorite things to say to me is, I'm not your friend anymore. And I, I say, baby girl, I'm not your friend. I'm your dad. I'm your father. I'm not one of your classmates at school. I'm not your friend. You see, every child should have intimacy with their parent, but that intimacy does not destroy the parent's role in the relationship. There is a role. The child should respect the parent because of that parent's role in the relationship. The child does not have authority over the parent. The parent has authority over the child. And in our relationship with God, we don't have authority over him. He has authority over us. One theologian says, we do not live in intimacy with God in a way that destroys our reverence for him. What does that mean? It means you hallow his name in your life. That's what that means. God is not your boyfriend. God is not your girlfriend. He's your father. That's the relationship. And in that relationship, there's reverence for him because of who he is. Hallowed God's name means you have a reverence for him in your life. It's not lip service to God, but it's a genuine from the heart in which you say what David says in, in Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, O Lord, but to your name give glory for your steadfast love and for your faithfulness. It's all about you, Father. Our Father is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And the next thing Jesus says we are to pray is your kingdom come. You see how this flows? Well, he discerned his prayer here. Our Father who is in heaven, now he's talking about the Father's kingdom and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. You've got to understand this to understand the kingdom and his will. you got to. Because it all flows from who he is. When you pray these words here, you are petitioning the Father for his kingdom to come into your life. You want to see Christ the King glorify his rule to be more evident in this world. The kingdom of God points to his kingship, his rule over all creation. Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. His kingdom. And when you pray your kingdom come, you are saying to the Father what David said in, in, in 1 Chronicles 29. It says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. I love that. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. That's the king. That's Jesus. And for believers, this means you should have a desire for Christ to reign in your life. To be the center of everything it is about you. Your family. Your career. Your life situations. Your struggles. Whatever it is you're doing in your life, Jesus should be the center of that. Be the center, Father. And your prayers for the Spirit to be in your will toward the Father's will. His will be done in your life as a believer. It also means you're praying for Christ's return. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You want Christ to return. You want the second coming to come. 
You also are praying for the Father to bring healing and restoration to, to this broken and fallen world. When you pray, his kingdom come and his will be done. And you're asking the Father to bring more and more people to saving faith in Christ. His kingdom come. His will be done. When you pray that prayer, these are the things you're asking the Father to do. Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary to India, once said, In acceptance lies peace. In acceptance lies peace. You have to accept that it's not about you. But it's about him. His kingdom, his will. And you know what this means? This is not Alex's church. This is not the elders' church. This is not Alex's ministry. This is not your ministry. It's Jesus' ministry, Jesus' church, Jesus' kingdom, and Jesus' will. And when you accept that, there's peace. When Waikita and I were just dating, I made a lot of mistakes. And one of my problems was, you know, I felt a call to ministry when I was in college. And because I was going into a particular denomination, I felt like I had to have a wife that looked a certain way. And so every girl I, I, I dated, I tried to mold her into what I thought she needed to be to make me look good as this type of pastor within this certain denomination. But when I met Waikita, things started changing. You know, I, I sent her books to read because I tried to reform her. We had Bible study over the phone, and we talked about all these different theological terms because this is what I thought I needed. But she kept fighting me. So, and one day, I was walking around Best Buy talking to one of my mentors, and he told me something that really convicted me. He said, Alex, you have to start believing the Father is sovereign in your life particularly when it comes to marriage. You have to start believing that. Because I wasn't believing it. Because I, I was in control of it. She had to be this way. But when he spoke those words to me, the Spirit used that moment to convict me of what I was doing. Because me trying to mold her stem from the fact I was not believing that God was going to take care of me. That he knew what I needed before I asked him. And so over these six years, since no, it's going to be six years next month, the Father has shown me that he knew what I needed in a wife long before I thought I knew what I needed. And that's the God you're praying to. Do you believe it? Your security that he hears your prayers rests totally in him. Your holy, kingly Father knows, knows perfectly what you need in your life. Before you ask him. To me that's security in prayer. That makes me want to pray more. That's awesome. And most importantly. That's love. Amen. Let us pray. Father God I thank you Lord that. That you give security to us. When I look back over my own life. And how I tried to do things myself and because I didn't trust you. 
My relationship changed with Waikita because my view of you changed. Because I, got, I, I started trusting you more. And I pray, Lord, that, that for all of us, that we would know and rest more securely in the fact that you are our Father. Help us to know what that really means. Help us to help you. I pray that your spirit will come in and show us in which we have transferred different things onto you that are not true about you as Father. And as we go out to the Lord today, I pray your spirit will bring us to a deeper level of, of repentance, humility before you, dependency upon you. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. Will you please stand as we...